1 Peter chapter 2, looking at verse 4, we continue going through this amazing book that's so applicable to the 21st century. Here's what he has to say. You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but was chosen by God for greater honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. Jesus is the rock we run to. I love what Chandler's going to The mercy seat. We run to the mercy seat because the mercy seat was symbolic of the grace of God. And the mercy of God to be found in the very person of Jesus Christ. An Old Testament shadow of a New Testament truth. What an incredible truth. When Peter is writing this, I, I, he is, I'm sure, being moved by the Holy Spirit, inspired to write a book to encourage people in tough times. And he's thinking about what Isaiah said about a stone and what David said about a psalm and a uh, stone in the book of Psalm. And, and, and then he's perhaps remembering that conversation that he had with Jesus in Matthew 16, where he said, Peter! I, upon, you are the Peter. That word means Petros. It means a small pebble. You're the small pebble. But I'm going to build my church on the Petra, which is the immovable stone. I'm sure Peter begins to write to these people who need a word of encouragement, a word of comfort, just like we need in the 21st century today. So, <laughs> as... As time goes on, nothing really changes. And so here's what I want you to know, that hope is on the rock. And Jesus is the rock that we run to. And looking at this, I just want to share two things with you, and I hope will encourage you and, and draw you to a greater commitment to Christ. For some, maybe it would be the first time you ever committed your life to Christ. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to get these two things. And you say, well, there's nothing there. We don't have any blanks to fill in. Yeah, you've got a blank page. Just fill the page up. Uh, you're saying, what? what happened? Well, my daughter had a kidney stone on Wednesday night, and she was in the ER from like 10.30 till 6 o'clock in the morning. So <laughs> I was there. And uh, staff said, look, just sleep. Don't worry about it. I said, i got to get my notes. And no, I'll just sleep. Uh, so let me help you with the notes. They're going to be here for you to read. The first thing I want you to get is this. You ready? God builds his spiritual house. On Jesus for everyone to see. God builds a spiritual house. On the one and only Jesus for everyone to see. Peter is trying to talk to a people that are being bombarded for their faith. They're being criticized. They're being persecuted for their faith in Jesus. They are not the favored people in the community. Does that sound a little bit familiar? Nobody likes them. They're the bad guys. And all of a sudden, he's saying, I want you to know some good news. Jesus is the foundation. You see on the screen, he's the foundation. And on that foundation, there's, we become the living stones. Here's what you need to do. God says, I'm building a house. And I've laid the foundation, which is Jesus. And, and upon Jesus, I'm placing people on him. 
He's, he's basically, he's saying, I've taken people from the, the pit of sin, those dead stones. I've moved those dead stones from the pit to the house that I'm building. And they become living stones. They have function and purpose, fulfillment, power. They're living stones. And I'm building this house to honor grace and mercy and love. And I want everyone to see the house I'm building. Now, that's important. You get that image in mind, a spiritual house. You see, today, there's a lot of houses being built. Oh, people are building religious houses. Oh, they got the foundation of ritual and rules, and, and they may sound good, look good, and they're building a house on their building, but they're building dead stones on it, not living stones. They're dead. Oh, they may look functional. They may look like they're active, but they're dead stones spiritually. They're very religious. You see, one thing I've learned over the years, religious people are very busy people. They're very active. They're just dead. Because their foundation is not Jesus. God did something here pretty amazing. He said, I want you to know that Jesus is my foundation. He's my cornerstone. He's the, he's, the, he's the one that makes the building come together, hold together, and endure. He said, and I, we're going to honor him one day. And Philippians 2 says there's going to come a time when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of the glory of God the Father. Which should tell us that Jesus is to be honored and worshipped because he also is God the Son. Not merely an agent of God. But the very Son of God, in equal in essence, in the co-eternal, co-existent, that's who He is. You say, well, how can you do that? How do you know that? Because God is telling us that one day we worship the Son. The Bible tells me that God's a jealous God. He'll have no other God before me. Therefore, that would be idolatry if He wasn't God. This isn't hard. This isn't rocket science. You just follow the logical, connect, connect the dots. So he said, I've laid, I've laid my foundation. The Jesus, the one and only one that can be the foundation for spiritual life, has been laid. And now I place people on him. I tap them on the so- shoulder and touch their heart and say, I want you to come into my house. Be a part of my house. It's called grace that draws us to that relationship in Christ. And we become a spiritual house. And yet many people have rejected the spiritual house and built a house of religion. Because they think it's better. Oh, some build a moral house. They build a house based on behavior. Man, we're going to build us a good house because we're going to behave better than most people. We're, we're going to try to be good. We're going we're to treat people like we won't be treated. And, and, and we're not going to do those real bad things. And because we're, we're going to try to be, uh, we're going to be socially active in helping the hurts and the pains of the world. That's great. But that's just building a moral house. Still, that's dead stones. Some build a mystical house. A mystical house is those things that have some degree of spirituality to it. The unknown, the mystery, the mystical. Based on unexplained experiences and events. Still dead stones. God said, I'm building a spiritual house. The foundation is Jesus, and he's the, he's the well of life. 
And those stones I take away. I'm pulling stones from that religious house and that moral house and that mystical house. And I'm putting them in the, my house if they'll come. Now, that's what he's trying to tell these people that are under the gun in his day. Christianity is not favored. It's not liked in Peter's day. Guess what? In the 21st century, it's not like today. We are living out 1 Peter in our time. And unfortunately, I think we get all, all kind of mad about it and been out of shape. No, no. Peter's going to teach us how to deal with that. And I'm excited. We're going to dig it. We have fun in this book because we're going to be comforted and encouraged and empowered to really make a difference. We're going to become that spiritual house that honors God and how we deal with the adversities and the conflicts of life. You see, God builds the house on Jesus. And each stone that's placed on that foundation is significant. Each one of you that have come to Christ and been taken from whatever house you were part of or the sin, uh, the sin pit of life, you've been taken and placed on Jesus, and you become extremely significant and important. You're vital to honoring God. Everyone who's been saved. See, sometimes we think, well, it don't matter. It don't matter if, I'm, if I show up. Or it don't matter if I get involved. Yes, it does. It really matters because you're building, you're part of a house that's to be seen that honors God. And so it is important that you're seen standing on the foundation of Jesus. It is important that you're seen committed to the person of Christ because that's your house. And we're building up this house. It's been building for a long time, but the church is representative of this house. The kingdom of God is this house. This is who we are. So you, you get this. Each one significant. I love the choir did such an awesome job today. Y'all did such an awesome job. Uh, the music was incredible as we worshiped our Lord today, as we celebrated in the house. And so uh, one of my favorites is, is uh, uh, just these words. How, how can I keep from shouting your name? I know I am loved by the king, and it makes my heart want to sing. Because I'm in a house. It's built by God. I get to be a part of that house forever. I am loved by the King of kings and Lord of lords. And he has given me a very significant, important place in the spiritual house that God's building on the person of Jesus Christ. I look at that and those stones that were placed there. I'm sure Peter's remembering those moments when he was with Jesus. And Jesus was, was beginning to place those stones on that foundation. Paul talks about it in Corinthians. Because Paul was one of those stones was placed on that foundation. Peter was one of those stones placed on the foundation. But Peter said, you know, there's some significance about being on that stone. And he's thinking about some of those people that Jesus put on that foundation. That woman called the act of adultery. That Samaritan woman. That, that Pharisee that came by night named Nicodemus. That blind Bartimaeus. They all became a part of the spiritual house. Peter said, when you come to Christ, God puts you in the house. You're a living stone for all to see. You bring honor to his name. That's why your commitment's important. 
Your participation is vital. Unfortunately, we live in a consumer age. We're told that 75% of our economy is driven by consumerism. That's a little scary. Well, that attitude and, and mindset has flowed into the church. We are a bunch of consumers. We show up and say, what are you going to do for me today? Wrong question. When you walk through these doors on Sunday, you need to say, Lord, what do you want me to do for you today? Instead of coming, what's in it for me? What can I do to honor you? What can I do to build your house today? What do to make your house more honorable? Spiritual house has a lot of amazing people on it. A sailor who was horrible, just amazing, amazing, just ungodly in his lifestyle, broke all the all, all the Ten Commandments virtually. Brilliant at his task, able to do things, but demoted in the Navy. Sought after the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eye and the pride of life. So doing, he became a, a notorious slave trader. Carrying men from the coast of Africa. or wherever they may be sold. Driven by greed and lust. Until one moment on the ocean, he had an encounter on the Greyhound, the ship he was sailing, and it began to break apart. And he come to realize that no matter how, he'd worked for nine hours trying to keep it afloat. The amazing thing with the cargo itself was keeping it afloat. But he, cried, he laid on that saltwater deck and cried out before God, God, have mercy on me. I'm about to die. And you know what? God did. Because John Newton became the author of the song Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound. That saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm fine. was blind, but now I see. He became a living stone on the foundation. In his days of, of basically about to go off the scene, he was a great preacher. Memory wasn't what it used to be, and things weren't like they were, and his health was broken. But they said they were talking to him in one of his last uh, uh, statements. When asked about his memory, he said, my memory's bad. But he said, I remember two things. Number one, I am a great sinner. Number two, Jesus is a great Savior. He builds his spiritual house on Jesus for everyone to see. That's not all. There's one more thing I want you to get. People can reject Jesus and experience the indescribable ruin. Or people can run to Jesus 
and enjoy incredible blessing. Make sure you get that again. People can reject Jesus and experience an indescribable ruin. Or people can run to Jesus and enjoy incredible blessings. Can I tell you what has happened in Peter's day? The church is being hated and persecuted because it has a faith in Christ. It says here that he was rejected by people. Do you know why he was rejected? Well, look at the four Gospels. It's going to tell you he was rejected because of his association with sinners. The religious people didn't like that. He was rejected for his miracles on the Sabbath day. They didn't like that. It didn't matter that that people's lives were changed. They just didn't like the fact they did something on the Sabbath according to their oral tradition. And that brings us to the fact that he exposed the emptiness of their rituals and oral traditions. And they did not like that. And the fourth thing, he claimed to be God. And they did not like that. He actually became, as you let me read on down a little bit here. You who, in verse 7, you, well, you who trust him recognize the, the honor God has given him, but those who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And he is the stone that makes people stumble and the rock that makes them fail. The stumble, they stumble because they do not obey God's word. And so they meet the fate that was planned for them. Get this, please hear this, because we need to be reminded of this today for us. What Peter is saying, people rejected Jesus. I mean, they, they crucified him, my goodness, they rejected him. But here's what. He said it didn't matter because it did not diminish who he was. He was not defined by the acceptance of people. God was going to honor him because he came to die on a cross. And rejecting him, calling him scandalous in the Greek, in this text, didn't change the fact. That he was God in the flesh. Rejecting him didn't change the fact that he loved sinners. Rejecting him didn't change the fact that he could do miracles on any day of the week. Rejecting him did not change the fact he was God in the flesh. Didn't matter. Their vote did not count. Now, how does that work for you and I today? Let's be honest. The world is rejecting us. Uh, you You know, don't sit here and we get all like... We get mad and we, we, we get all frustrated and we get discouraged because people don't like us like they used to. No, it isn't 1950. 1950, you wanted to put, I'm a Christian on your resume. Now, if you put on your resume, they don't want to hire you. Life's life. All right? But that does not diminish who we are. That does not define me. That does not diminish the fact that I have eternal life in Christ. It does not diminish that I have a purpose for living. They cannot take away from me what God has given me. Rejecting me only hurts them. 
Peter's saying they rejected Jesus. He's the stone they rejected and they're going to reject you. But it doesn't change anything eternal. So, basically, when Peter talks about this, this contrast of blessing and ruin, perhaps he's remembering that story Jesus shared about two builders. One would build their house on the sand and the storms of life would come and wash it away and he would be lost because there was no foundation. Or the wise builder who built his house on the rock. And when the storms of life would come, it would stand because of its foundation. One's a place of blessing, the other's a place of ruin. 63 years after walking with Jesus, Peter's saying, let me tell you what I remember about him. What he taught, still true. And now over 2,000 years has passed, and what he's taught is still true. He's simply saying, look what it says here. I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem chosen for great honor. See, it doesn't matter if they're rejecting, the honor's there. And anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced or disappointed is another word. Man, if you trust him, you're never going to be embarrassed by him. He's not going to leave you hanging out to dry. He's not going to cut the limb off your hanging on. You're not going to be disappointed. Now, we tend to think, does that mean I'm never going to have a problem? That's not what it's saying. He's not talking about problems. Everybody's got problems. I mean, Peter's writing to a people that are being burned, at the, burned in, in Nero's gardens, Okay. It ain't about there's no problems. It's about that you're not going to be disappointed in all the things that Jesus has promised. That you'll never walk through the valley of the shadow of death alone. He'll be there. And what people take away from you in this life, he'll more than give it back to you for eternity. And while the world may try to embarrass you, Jesus never will. He won't disgrace you. He will not disappoint you. Because of who he is. Wow. Well, if, how do you do that? You receive him by trusting him, by, by coming to a point of receiving who he is and what he did on the cross for your sin. And you, and you repent, you turn to him. And those stones keep growing, just like on that slide. If one does not embrace the truth, that means Jesus, they are left with following a lie to its terrible end. I think about stones, and I read about those people, the different names that could be on those stones. What an amazing house. Some of your names are on those stones. Do you realize that? My name's on one of those stones. Charlene's name's on one of those stones. I ask you, is your name on one of those stones? Pretty impressive to look at what God's done. 
Some years ago, I, I was with a group of, of young men on a field trip, and there was a lot of things to see, a lot of museums to go to, but one of the young men was wanted to go see the exhibit of the Holocaust, which was just in town for a short time, and uh, none of the other guys really wanted to go, and he really wanted to go, and I said, well, if you can get one of the guys, we'll go, and, and I'll go with you, because uh, he, was, he, he was Jewish. And he wanted to go see this. So, you know, we went. And I'm telling you, man, and just, just heartache and heartbreak of seeing the cruelty and the violence and the hatred that can be poured out on people that identify with God. As though I was there yesterday. One of the things I remember most about it, I, I, we saw several things and several, it was done very, very well. But I remember coming to a place and standing and looking at this amazing wall. And seeing names, 1,200 plus names. And I'm looking at it. And I look to the side and read about a name, about a guy named Oscar Shinley, who became moved to the fact that Jews were being slaughtered and murdered simply because they were Jews. And those who worked in his factory, he began to be moved compassion and concern he began to as as the Germans would come and take them away to kill them he would buy them back and the process of time this list composes the 1200 plus people he bought back that survived the Holocaust and then I read further as I looked at this list, man, I was moved. And not only that, but I saw that out of the 1,200 that were saved, it grew into 6,000 children and grandchildren. I looked over to the, the young guy brought, and, and he's looking at this list. And tears are running out his cheeks. What an impressive wall. Then I thought, that's what God did for us. He bought us back from the slaughter, from impending death in a place. Now, hear what I'm about to say. When it says here, look at this. They stumble because they do not obey God's word, and so they meet the fate that was planned for them. God does not predetermine anyone to go to hell. But he has predetermined the place of hell for those who disobey. 
If they do not believe the truth, they must believe a lie. And the lie leads them to indescribable ruin in a place called hell. So I don't care what people try to tell you, the lies they try to feed you and what they try to do to persuade you to to accept this house, this religious house, this moral house, this mystical house. The truth is all those houses are going to burn one day. But the house that remains is the one that's built on Jesus. And there's a list of names there. But you notice there's some spots missing. That's because there's a place for you. If you never come to Christ, there's a place for you. 